pride, passion, and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, our one podcast. This might be college football, heaven. Well, every day we say the same thing, but it, today is no different. It has been a busy week. A lot of things happening. We say hello to you and welcome you to the program. Let's not waste any time. We'll get right to uh, some of the stories that are making the news right now. And the biggest story of the week continues to come from Tennessee. Tennessee, we heard from the president, or excuse, excuse me, we heard from the chancellor earlier in the week. Today, we hear from the vice chancellor and director of athletics, Danny White. He uh, issued a statement saying the NCAA generally does not comment on infractions cases because there is a rule against it. However, that has not stopped them in the past from leaking information to the media as they did this week about us. Their actions made this ill-conceived investigation public and forced us to defend ourselves. It is clear that the NCAA staff does not understand what is happening at the campus level all over the country in the NIL space. After reviewing thousands of Tennessee coach and personal phone records, NCAA investigators did not find a single NIL violation, so they moved the goalpost to fit a predetermined outcome. They are stating that the nebulous, contradictory NIL guidelines written by the NCAA, not the membership, don't matter and applying the old booster bylaws to the collectives. If that's the case, then 100% of the major programs in college athletics have significant violations. This is obviously silly and not productive, as is blaming the membership whenever they are challenged. We need to be spending our time and energy on solutions to better organize college athletics in the NIL era something that the NCAA failed to do back in 2021. Student-athletes, prospective student-athletes, coaches, and administrators across the country deserve better, and I refuse to allow the NCAA to irrationally use Tennessee as an example for their own agenda. So uh, quite an extraordinary week at the University of Tennessee with the Chancellor, Don Day Plowman, and now the Director of Athletics. Let's uh, bring in uh, Nicole Auerbach, who's certainly uh, one of the leading voices in the country on college sports. Uh, Nicole, of course, uh, you see her on NBC, you hear her on radio, but mostly you read her in The Athletic. Nicole, many thanks. Appreciate it. So many things to talk about, but let's start with the University of Tennessee and, and your reaction to what Danny White, Don Day Plowman, and the university has said and done this week. Good afternoon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, well, they are coming out firing on all cylinders, uh, which is interesting, especially after Florida State dealing with NIL-related violations negotiated a resolution with the NCAA and accepted their punishment. So we're already seeing different schools respond to this type of inquiry investigation differently. But, you know, Tennessee has a lot at stake, right, because they could be viewed as a repeat offender because of the case involving Jeremy Pruitt. So I understand the push and the backlash and, you know, this lawsuit involving the attorneys general in Tennessee and Virginia is really trying to make Tennessee out to be fighting the fight on behalf of everyone and saying that these are rules. Yes, well, they were nebulous at the time and maybe they don't make sense. Maybe the rules shouldn't be the rules the way that they're written. And we're going to take that on as 
on behalf of everyone. So it's going to be really fascinating to see how this all plays out. I'm not surprised that we're seeing uh, some politicians go after an individual NCAA rule. Again, considering what happened with the transfer uh, lawsuit as well. So, you know, again, it's a lot of guns blazing in a lot of different directions, but you know, you can't say you're surprised to see anyone taking on the NCAA in this environment because they know what the courts have been ruling in cases against the NCAA. Nicole, I think it's pretty obvious uh, what Tennessee is doing. We're not really sure yet what the specific allegations are, although we're, we're pretty sure we know what it involves. But how is that playing in, in the rest of college athletics? And I bring that up because I haven't Maybe you have heard from other people at least speak out publicly. Uh, they may be talking privately. Can you give us a, a sense of what the rest of the, the landscape is feeling about what Tennessee is doing? Yeah, well, I, I think it's, you know, it's mixed in a lot of ways. This happens kind of every time. You know, when North Carolina went scorched earth over Tez Walker, you do have a lot of people in a lot of corners saying, like, these are rules that have been asked to be enforced. And that is always part of the dynamic with these types of cases. And part of the NCAA's defense is always like, hey, you, we're a membership organization. Everyone voluntarily joined it, and we do what the membership wanted. So even if, you know, Tennessee is saying, hey, the membership didn't vote on these rules or these policies, I mean, you know, you also had a lot of leaders and coaches complaining and asking for leadership from the NCAA and fast action and reining in certain behavior. Uh, the best example I think of when I think of this case is the one that, you know, others have used, which is about speeding, right? If everyone goes over the speed limit, but then eventually someone gets caught, they could still say, hey, everyone else is doing this, but you still know that you were over the speed limit, right? So you always run the risk of being caught. And that's kind of where I take Danny White kind of pointing out that he feels like Tennessee is being used as an example. I don't think it's an accident that the first couple NIL-related cases we're seeing the NCAA act on were the ones where the, the collectives, the boosters, things were very public. People were kind of, uh, they were very brazen in what they were doing. They were talking to the media. Things were reported on at the time. So they're clearly trying to go after some of the actors and the actions that they believe were against the rules to set examples, to set standards, and to, to rein things in. Because even if there weren't NIL guidance at the time, part of the reason there was a push for that and for action was because of some of the things that were playing out publicly. So I can't say I'm terribly surprised that we're in talking about Tennessee in this case, or that we talked about FSU and talked about Florida um, and Miami as well with the women's basketball and the Cavender twins as well, because of the way that this all was unfolding. But I do think, you know, again, to go back to the speeding example, there are a lot of people that say like, Hey, we knew this type of stuff was against the rules. You recruiting inducements and, and, and trying to get somebody to come to your school by agreeing to give them money or to, to give them money before they even enroll to a specific collective. Like people knew that that was against the rules. It's part of the reason there were a lot of people, ADs, commissioners, people asking for the NCAA to enforce the rules that existed to punish some of those bad actors. So it's mixed, right? Because I do think there's a lot of people saying, hey, I don't necessarily agree with these rules or we need an entirely new model. But you also have people saying, well, you have to operate by the rules at the time, and the rules exist against recruiting inducement. Talking to Nicole Arabak uh, from The Athletic and, and NBC. Uh, Nicole, not long before we came on the air, another story broke, this one uh, uh, involving baseball. Remember last spring, right in the middle of the, the baseball season, uh, the Alabama coach was uh, jettisoned quickly, and today we're starting 
to get some of the details, and, and I know you have, uh, nobody's had a chance to really dig deep into the situation at the University of Alabama, but uh, the coach has been given a 15-year show cause, not that anybody's surprised, not that anybody expected him back anytime soon or cared, but what, what, what have you been able to learn just uh, thumbing through some of the details uh, of this rather tawdry investigation? Yeah, well, we got a lot of information for the fact that uh, Bohannon did not participate in the investigation. But you still understand exactly how this played out and, and really how dumb the people involved in it were. There's documentation of the fact that he messaged his buddy who placed the bet at the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati on Signal, which is the encrypted app, text app. And he told him that he was he was not going to start his pitcher and said, like, you know, like, like hammer it, like rush it, do it now, like do it now, let me know when you're done, basically before he would tell LSU and announce his actual lineup. So before the line would move on that game, he was trying to get him to move urgently. And then we also learned that this buddy who was placing the bet uh, said a lot of things that he probably shouldn't say to a sports book. He told them, first off, he tried to bet $100,000, which is a very high amount on a sport that doesn't see those kind of bets. So they limited at 15000 and then he started being, quote, suspicious. He tried to place more bets on it. He tried to tell them that if you guys knew what I know, like, you would let me do this. And then he literally showed them the text from Bohannon oh saying, goodness. with the inside information, saying that, you know, I'm, I'm not playing this pitcher, put the bet in before I tell the public. And these are all just things that you absolutely shouldn't do. But that explains the speed of that investigation, how quickly Alabama began the process of firing him and all of the other parts of this process uh, from last spring. So it's pretty wild. It's one of those, like, we're going to see some crazy sports betting scandals now that it's, you know, become more legal in more places. But this is one of the most outlandish ones with, with two actors who did two very stupid things. And finally, Nicole, uh, so much of the country, I mean, everybody has opined recently. I saw Barkley had a comment. Uh, almost everybody else has about Travis and Taylor but we think we have something that's going to top their possible engagement. There is breaking news that Nicole Arabach is also engaged, and we uh, we we always go to the we we always save the the hardest news for 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 last, Nicole. So I want you to uh, share that we have this on our screen right now. You have a picture of uh, you. And your fiance, I'm assuming that because I don't think you would be putting a picture otherwise. So can you explain this picture we have up on our screen? Yes. So uh, I was just on vacation in Hawaii with uh, my boyfriend and he proposed. Uh, we were golfing or we on this beautiful hole on the big island overlooking the ocean on a cliff. And he got down on one knee and proposed and uh, was I was totally surprised and stunned and very flustered and uh it was only the third hole on the golf course i still had to play the rest of the round and i, I did not play well <laughs> but you know we had uh, called everyone we got sex uh we had some celebratory drinks and it was it was really beautiful and uh, paul i appreciate you uh congratulating me it's been really fun to hear from a lot of you know friends and family and colleagues and uh kind of keep the celebration going yeah, I mean, Nicole, I don't want to start, uh, but I have to ask the, I mean, you, you've, you've laid it out, and any, any decent reporter, and I'm not even sure on that. I mean, why the third hole? <laughs> okay, so it was the scenic shot there. Like the, oh, okay. The, the course, it's Mauna Kea, um, 
my parents had gotten us a gift card for Christmas. Beautiful, expensive to play. And he had done some research and like, that's the, the, the best, the best view. There's a lot of like shots okay. of the ocean, but that one's the best. And they named their clubhouse after the third hole. So that was going to be the money shot. Um, and totally, totally stunned me. And he was very proud of himself for keeping it a secret from a reporter. Nicole, <laughs> I don't know the protocol for interviewing uh, among our best guests uh, about their future plans. So uh, I'll, I'll, I won't be specific here. But I mean, what is there anything else you can tell us? I mean, what what happens next? I guess is my. Uh, it sounds like a parental question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll probably start planning. Um, it's going to end up being at some point, I think, in 2025. Uh, okay. This summer, too busy. Uh, I'm going to be covering the Olympics, so that's taking up a lot of the summer. And we're probably going to get married in my favorite place in the world, Cape May, New Jersey. Uh, my family has been going there to the bottom of the Jersey Shore since uh, before I was born. So that's about as far as we've got. It's not going to be in football season, so no worries about that. But that's, uh, that's as far is, as uh, I've got. It's is, not going to uh, be a Saturday. Is, is the first gentleman, is, is he connected to our world, or is he from outside of he is He is not. Um, he works in uh, is online marketing and, okay. and all that, like a real person job. But he is a diehard Iowa fan. He grew Ooh. up right outside of Iowa City. So... We, we have a, I will be forced to watch a lot of Iowa football in the future. So really hoping that they turn things around with this new offense coordinator. So, uh, one last question here, and I know I'm going to be. Uh, so when Michigan played Iowa uh, in the Big Ten championship, uh, we all knew what was going to happen. But did he handle that OK? Yes, he did. Uh, we actually started dating before the last time they played each other in the Big Ten championship game. So that was kind of the first test of, of how he was going to handle it. But. He took it like a champ. He's been nothing but supportive of my career. Uh, he does not like Michigan, so he does root against the Wolverines, but that's pretty much all of Big Ten country. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's worked really well. And, uh, you know, again, I'm forced to watch a lot of Iowa sports, mm. but, uh, you know, there are worse things in the world, and he's been, he's been wonderful. Well, Nicole, I'm, I'm not one to offer advice, but uh, I graduated from Tennessee, and I married someone who has a degree from Vanderbilt. We've survived more than 30 years, so uh, you, can, you can handle these <laughs> interconference battles. <laughs> well, what's, what's, what's your advice for that? Uh, well, I mean, again, uh, I, here's the problem with her, though. She, she's an Alabama fan, even though she has a degree from Vanderbilt. So th that's the issue. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll save that for off the air because... Uh, <laughs> Uh, being married to an Alabama fan is not easy during the football season. I bet, I bet. Well, maybe that'll change moving forward. Who knows? Well, anyway, congratulations from all of us here. We're really happy for you. We won't, we won't pester you about it again, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I know what it's like for someone to be dating a sports writer because I was a sports writer when I got married. And there's a, I, I, can, I can give the, your, your fiancé a tutorial if, uh, if he wants to give me a ring. I will. Thank you so much. Thank Very you, Michelle. Sweet of all of you. I Thank you, Nicole. It. Nicole Arabak. Uh, we are so happy for her and uh, appreciate her participating with a little fun. Uh, let's uh, continue here with uh, much more on our program. We're here until uh, 7 p.m. Kevin Steele will join us. Haven't heard from Kevin since uh, he announced his retirement right before Nick Saban did three weeks ago. And Wilbur Hackett Jr., an absolute legend from the University of Kentucky. We saw him up there a couple of months ago, and uh, we will talk to him today and maybe some more guests as well. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMSS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash Paul. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash Paul. Hardments are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. And we welcome you back. A lot to do, and we will get to your phone calls, but we also want to address what uh, is a very important and incredibly tragic story. One of the all-time greats in college football, Terry Beasley, has passed away. Uh, he is a member of the College Football Hall of Fame, a two-time All-American, uh, and, and really part of in the 70s, one of the most famous duos uh, in college football and, and certainly SEC history, uh, Sullivan to Beasley. Pat Sullivan won the Heisman Trophy in 1971, and uh, Pat many times told me uh, he could not have done that without his teammates, but most notably Terry Beasley. Uh, he, uh, Terry had a very difficult uh, life. Uh, later in, in his life, he suffered many, many uh, concussions throughout his college and professional career and uh, it's just an incredibly tragic death uh, that uh, we have to report uh, but he uh, he was such a, a generous uh, and and impactful human being and uh, we will talk more about uh, Terry's passing and his life as we work our way through these four hours. There are a couple of other stories we do want to uh, pass along as well, and we're uh, learning some information out of, uh, out of Alabama right now concern, concerning uh, the person that many of us thought was about to become the offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb. Uh, he was uh, the architect of the, the Michael Penix offense this year, and uh, according to uh, Mike Rodak, uh, this, this hire has not been made official, but uh, it was presumed, but according to Pro Football Talk, he is being considered to become the offensive coordinator at the, the Seattle Seahawks, who just made a uh, announcement this week 
in relation to its head coach. So uh, we'll have to uh, see how this plays out. Ryan Grubb was up for the UW job uh, that obviously went to uh, Jed Frisch. Uh, but this would be a, a significant development for new coach uh, Kalen DeBoer's off offense. We will uh, watch it pretty closely and, and see what happens. But we wanted to pass that story along as well. Let's uh, get back to the calls here at 855-242-7285. We begin with Pat uh, first up. Good afternoon. Hey, Paul. Thank you very much. I, I am so sorry to hear about the passing of Terry Beasley. I, I actually watched Sullivan to Beasley, and they were George's nemesis. And uh, I'm just I'm terribly sorry to hear about that. And and I. I have seen his stone in the pavement uh, on in at Toomer's corner in front of Toomer's drugstore. So I'm so sorry. Yeah, it, uh, uh, I, I I don't want I don't know all the details, uh, Pat. Um, but what I do know is uh, is incredibly sad, uh, and I not seen Terry or talked to him in a couple of years because uh, he has had. Uh, a number of, of, of health issues, but according to one report, uh, the uh, Moody, Alabama police chief, uh, Moody is right outside uh, of, of Birmingham, uh, did say uh, it is his death is being investigated as a potential suicide. And uh, not that uh, any death would, would be sadder than the next, uh, but uh, that makes this even more complex. Well, may, may Christ have mercy on his soul. Uh, the reason I called, and uh, I want to ask you a very serious question. And before I do that, I'd like to establish standing for that question. Uh, I'm 75. You know I'm a CPA. I, uh, I've got two degrees from Georgia, and I've got, let's see, three, four, five family members who've graduated from Georgia. We've had season tickets to football and, and to gymnastics and uh, have made substantial contributions to over the years to the Hartman Fund and to the Gym Dogs Fund. And I'm seeing what is happening right now with the NIL and with the collectives and with the TV contracts. And uh, I, I, I think you get the picture Sure. Uh, and I think in my lifetime, and I'm planning on living another <laughs> 15 or 20 years. Okay? Go for it. Uh, uh, but I think in my lifetime, I think we're going to see college football, at least the top 65 teams in, in football, adopt the NFL model with a collective bargaining agreement and with revenue sharing uh, and with all of that, all that entails. And I, I think it's the reason I feel that way is uh, more and more. And, and I'm not a mega donor. Uh, they're not going to put Pat McFall's name on any of the buildings at the university of Georgia. But 
uh, year after year, we just, and it's not Georgia, it's everybody. You keep asking for more and more money, and and now you're having to re-recruit the team that you had last year, and if anybody doesn't think that's so, uh, ask uh, Nick Saban. Yeah, you know, I hate to interrupt here, Pat, but we're, we're close on time. But I agree with you. Uh, we're at, uh, I don't want, want to repeat something we've said a million times over the last couple of years, but this is uh, the most significant inflection point uh, in, in the sports history. And people are, are tired of it. I mean, there's only so much money to go around. Uh, we will take a short break. And we're back after this. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Welcome back. And Jim is up next in Texas. Hello, Jim. What's up, Paul? We are doing great. Thank you. Hey, man, it's a beautiful day here in Texas. It is. 72 degrees. The sky is Carolina blue. And my prayers for the Beasley family. I was a teenager in high school when they, when him and Solomon was doing all that stuff. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean, again, I realize a lot of young folks uh, don't know, and and I understand that. I mean, I, I, I. no matter how old you are, you've had to live through your parents and grandparents tell you about their their favorite players. But oh, yeah. my argument back would be uh, Terry Beasley is, is is on a standalone island among the greatest players uh, in Auburn in, in SEC history. And one more thing before I get to my question, I hope it wasn't suicide. Because nine yeah, years by ago, the way, I mean, the, the uh, police report, uh, according to uh, new, uh, news accounts, does indicate a gunshot yeah. wound. Well, nine years ago in June, my son committed suicide. Mm. So I know the pain. I know what it does to a family. And I just pray and hope to God that they can find peace and it'll be all right. Hey. Now let's talk sports. Let's get I, off. I, I'm, I'm good with that. Let's uh, let's go uh, two ball games this week. One I liked, one I did not like. Carolina, Georgia Tech, <laughs> and the rambling wreck put us on this ball. It yes, put sir. it on us. And then last night, looking ahead to do. Do what? I said, looking ahead to Duke was the problem. 
Uh, Duke ain't got nothing, man. <laughs> Paul, can I? Can Duke I ain't got nothing. But we just I'm, lost to Georgia Tech. Yeah, Duke. No, well, yeah, that happens. Look, let me tell you a story, Paul. Okay. When I was a child, the first thing I learned to say was "Mama." The second thing I learned was Duke sucks. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. But anyway, last night, uh, Kentucky, with all their talent, goes to Florida. And what happens, Paul? They lose. I tell what you, you what, Todd, uh, Todd Golden is a really fine coach, and uh, that was a that was a great performance. I, I watched a lot of that game. Hey, thank you very very much for the call. Well, I'm sure we'll hear more about Cal later. Every time we're about to award Cal another national championship, he loses on the road. David is up next in Montgomery, Alabama. Hello, David. Thanks for taking my call, Paul. Uh, condolences to the Beasley family. Uh, but, you know, uh, we've had Saban retire. Now I'm calling to see if you know about Rick and Bubba retiring at the end of this year. You know, those are two pretty big three icons in, in Alabama. You would be the fourth. So are you aware of Rick and Bubba? Did they? Yeah, yeah. I, a friend of mine uh... – uh, told me yesterday that they were going to announce it today. And uh, I, I started with those guys many years ago and uh, before they were even uh, uh, in Birmingham. And, and I, I was, uh, that really uh, sh shook me when I heard that news. And, and I some of you may not know them, but Rick and Bubba, uh, Rick Burgess and, and Bubba Bussey are probably uh, two of the most iconic uh, radio personalities uh, in the genre's history. Uh, they, they started, uh, I think it was Gadsden, uh, in Gadsden, Alabama. And uh, they literally took uh, the market by storm. They came into Birmingham and I believe we were at the same station. Uh, I think we were, um, or maybe we weren't. I really don't remember. Uh, they were at one time and weren't. I mean, everybody in Birmingham moves around at some point. And it, they, they ended up uh, being the highest paid uh, people in, in, in the market's history at the time. And, uh, it, and, and they, were, they, they were like shooting stars. Uh, I mean, there was literally, uh, there was hardly anybody in that market and in that state and ultimately in the South that did not listen to them. And that is the show that you absolutely had to be on. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's... I, I realize that you know we're not we're not trying to compare and contrast, but I've heard from some friends of mine today, David, who said uh, they were as struck by that as they were by Nick Saban stepping down. Well, Paul, that leaves you to be the icon left. You're you're not planning to surprise everybody with a retirement announcement. I hope. <laughs> you trying to put me on the spot now? Um, uh, no, I'm not. Uh, I, just I, uh, can't, I can't stand it. <laughs> I am not. I, I'm, I'm not going to be one of these guys happen. that makes these Sherman-esque uh, statements because uh, in, in the business that I'm in, uh, sometimes you, you choose when to leave and sometimes they, Randy, are you telling me that they're, they're at the door? Yes. 
Um, but uh, I uh, truly love what I'm doing, and uh, unless they uh, pry me out of here, I'm staying. Thank you. I, I can I can drive more carefully now that you've uh, assured me you're not going anywhere. No, I, I can assure you that uh, uh, I, I am not planning on uh, stepping away. Appreciate you so much Thank and you your very show. Much. You bet. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, I, I, uh, I mean, they uh, they actually went on. Uh, they did a national TV thing for a long time. Just very funny guys. I mean, I, maybe before their last show, uh, we can uh, have them on. Uh, we've, we've had, uh, I was on their podcast or show a year or two ago, and, and they are, I mean, there's nobody in radio uh, that, are, that really is in their league. Uh, we'll take a short break. We're coming right back with much, much more. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. And welcome back. Let's uh, check in with Donnie, who is up next in Arizona. Hello, Donnie. Hi, Paul. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I, I don't, don't know about the audio restraints here, but... Hey, I'll try to keep this brief, sir. I just want to share a story about Terry Beasley, if I may. Absolutely. Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to try to do it without breaking up a little bit because he was a great part of uh, my relationship with my father, father-son relationship. But, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> my dad was a friend, or should say Bobby Freeman was a friend of my father. They were close at Auburn, and uh, and we kept in touch. I thought he was a blood, blood uncle for a while, Bobby Freeman, the former great and coach for Coach Jordan. And uh, we went to the Florida game in, in Gainesville, and Dad had tickets, and, and we met to just go say hi to Bobby a little bit at Silver Springs Holiday Inn the morning of that game, that record-setting game against John Reeves and Alvarez in the game. And uh, we went to the Holiday Inn down there, and, and the team was coming out like, like a, a, a meeting room. I think they were heading to breakfast or going away from it. Auburn Tigers had blue blue blazers on with AU on it, and, Coach Jordan walked by, and I said, War Eagle coach, he raised his hand. You could tell he was really thinking about the game. Just kind of raised his hand as he went by. But uh, Bobby Freeman came over to my dad. They were pretty close, and he said, Hey, Donna, I'd like, I'd like, I'd like, a, like you to meet somebody, you and Donnie. And uh, we met over to like a little uh, booth for a bus, like at the Silver Springs. I don't know what it's for, but it's similar to a bus stop kind of thing. Am I going too fast, Paul? No, no, you're doing great. Oh, great. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we we went in this little room, and I just gotten out of youth football. I'm getting just before junior high age, but a little less than that actually. I think I just just was ten or eleven. Anyway, we go in this little booth, and, and Bob comes in. I thought he was a blood uncle for a long time, to be honest with you. Dad just loved him, you know, the late Bobby Freeman. Uh, but uh, Bobby comes in, and goes, uh, "Hey, hey, Don, Don, I, I want you and Don to meet somebody." And all of a sudden, this redheaded Terry Beasy walks in. He's got a blazer on, and, and I remember looking at his neck. His neck was so strong, you know. 
but he was just such a southern gentleman and uh, just asked basic questions you know we got to we got to meet him and bobby freeman said i want you to know we really believe he's going to be something special here at auburn just wanted you to meet terry and i'm like you know it's hard for me to even function you know he let me take a black black and white polaroid picture and uh but he was just such a gentleman it was just basic conversation my dad was a coach coach raymer high school years ago uh montgomery county high uh should jordan recommended him for the job but anyway we won't go into that i just want to say I, i'm just crushed about terry beasley but that was really something when we went to the game in gainesville that morning and the team got on the bus he was just he was just so great and my dad and i would never I, Donnie, I, I appreciate you saying that, and, and I, I think the hard thing sometimes is to communicate to others what people meant. But and I, I, yeah. I, I, don't, I didn't know Terry that well, but I did spend the day with him. Uh, my first, one of my first big stories as a newspaper reporter. He had been selected to the All Decade team, and he uh, he, yeah. he allowed me to come down, and we spent a couple hours together. And I was in awe because when I was younger. Uh, before I was, you know, I was, you know, I was barely in high school when uh, when he played. I mean, it was such an. Imp- I mean, he was he, he was one of the best known college football players in the country, and yes. uh, he, you know, yeah. When you're young, when you're 12, 13, 14 years old, the the players in college are going to be more legendary maybe than as you get older. But but he was he was in he was in that classification and forever revered. Yes, uh, I mean, I saw a comment a minute ago from Bo Jackson. I mean, he. Uh, there just well, aren't many people who meant more to a, a generation of, of young fans than, than Terry Beasley. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll make this brief. I may just say one final thing in regards to this. I had, I had, a, I had a t- Terry Beasley jersey, but I swear we went to that game that morning in Gainesville. Uh, that first end of round he scored on in that white jersey, held up that ball. My dad said he did that for me. Now, I knew that was great. That is great. But, you know, it, it, Hey, by the way, by the way, the other two you mentioned, uh, uh, Reeves and Alvarez, were in the same league as uh, Beasley and Sullivan. I had a chance to talk to Carlos uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, I mean, I mean, those were the two famous tandems of that era. Hey, thank you so much for sharing the story with us, uh, and and our best to you. David is up next. Hello, David. Hey, thanks, Paul. Thanks for taking my call. Our condolences and prayers go out to the Beasley family today. I, I just wanted to ask you, and I know it's awful early, and you may think I'm crazy for asking this this early, but the college football playoff that we're fixing to enter into on this upcoming season, 12 teams, it's the five power five champions and then seven at-large teams, correct? Uh, as, 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 as of the moment. Yeah. But there's really okay. only four, there are only, there are only four power, power conferences right now. So I'm not exactly sure how they'll figure that out. All right. And my, my, my question being to you, uh, a comment, then a question. I know everybody that is not SEC was happy the way it turned out this year. Uh, they better be happy because it may not ever turn out that way again. As early as we are right now, who do you think the SEC champion will be, and how many other SEC teams do you think can get into that at-large seven? Yeah, I, I think I think right now, David, uh, Georgia would be the uh, the easy bet. Um, I think I think after Georgia, we're talking about Texas, and then uh, I mean the mystery about Alabama is I, I need to see the roster. I need to know who the coaches are going to be, and there's some. There's some upheaval, perhaps, uh, on that front, but uh, I think you have you have you have Georgia, 
Texas, and then there's a group of Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss, Missouri to be determined later. We'll have a few, we'll have a little bit of time to figure that out by media days. We're coming right back. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast.